Welcome to NFL Live. I'm Dan Graziano, and look at this crew I am joined by today. I got Tim Hasselbeck, Herm Edwards, and Kimberly Martin. We're going to have Adam Schefter swing by in a little bit. Big show today. We are only three weeks away from the start of NFL training camps, and we can't wait to see everybody back on the field. But today is an off-season Wednesday. We've decided to call it Trends Day because, you know, that rhymes. We had our research team dive into some of the trends that are standing out around the league. We're going to build some stuff out of that. We start with some trends that these teams would like to see end this season. The Detroit Lions have the best chance to win the NFC North, according to our Football Power Index. Detroit hasn't won its division since 1993. That is the second longest active drought in the NFL. So, Tim Hasselbeck, let's start with you. Is this the year that the Lions finally do it? Yeah, I like their chances to do it, Dan, for a, a few reasons. Jared Goff, who people need to remind is still a young player, coming off of an awesome year where nearly threw 30 touchdowns. Uh, and then I think they've got great talent around him. And then the other thing that Detroit has done, which I think you have to be encouraged by, is invest on the defensive side of the ball with high draft picks. I think they'll be better defensively, much better than they were a year ago. You know, people might not know, second half of last season, the only quarterback with a better QBR than Goff was a guy named Patrick Mahomes. And speaking of Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs have won seven straight division titles. Mahomes and company will try to become the first team to repeat as Super Bowl champs since the Patriots did it in 2003 and 2004. The current drought without a repeat champ is the longest in Super Bowl history. It's never gone this long without a repeat Super Bowl champ since the Super Bowl started. So, Herm, is this the year we finally see a repeat Super Bowl champion? Well, if you're the Chiefs, you think so, because this always is about the Patriots. The Chiefs have won the AFC West seven times. New England won the AFC East 11 times. But here's the problem. The Chiefs have a schedule where they play eight playoff teams. That's right, eight this year. Be a very difficult schedule, very difficult to do. Well, the Chiefs had a tough schedule last year, too, and that worked out pretty well for them. Jets fans are hoping that Aaron Rodgers can get them back to the playoffs for the first time since 2010. New York's current 12-season drought without reaching the postseason is the longest current drought in the league. So, Kimberly Martin, will the Jets finally make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers this year? Daniel, Daniel, yes, they will. What is the biggest thing the Jets needed? A quarterback. What do they have? Not just any quarterback. One of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And how do you make him comfortable? Well, get an OC that he knows very well. Get former players that he used to play with and then surround him with young, burgeoning talent. He's got that on defense and offense. Hey, speaking of young talent, the last time the Jets made the playoffs, look who was look who was covering the team. Uh, I want to start, show you a picture <laughs> of, uh, of Kimberly Martin here covering the Jets in 2010. <laughs> You got Rex Ryan there. You got With our boy Rex Brick yeah. interviewing DeBrickishaw <laughs> Ferguson. So there's there's Kimberly. What was it? Uh, uh, Bergen Record? Uh, is that where you were at that point? Newsday. Newsday at that News point. Newsday yeah. at that point. All right. Yeah. So Cowboys. We're gonna talk Cowboys now. The Cowboys made the playoffs in each of their of the last two seasons, but they have not been able to break through in the postseason. From 1970 through 95, the Cowboys played in 14 conference championship games. That was the most in the league. Since then, they've played in none. Uh, they've gone 12 straight playoff appearances without reaching the conference championship round. Uh, pretty amazing when you think about it that it's been that long for the Cowboys. I, I, remember, I remember that year, um, and it didn't seem like they were about to go off the cliff. Herm, what, what do you think holds the Cowboys back? Why, 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 is, why is it that they keep getting to the playoffs and they can't do anything once they're there? 
well, we want to say quarterback, we want to say the head coach, we want to say all those things, but when you think about the history of this football team, they haven't won a divisional game in quite some time. So there have been a lot of head coaches, a lot of great players there. They've got to find a way to win in the playoffs. That has been their problem. They're going to the playoffs again this year. Remember, this team scored, what, 27 points last year? Dak Prescott played fine. I mean, people say he threw some interceptions. Well, you know what? They all throw interceptions. This team has to figure out a way to get to the divisional round and win a playoff game. When they do that, they'll get over the hump. But that has been their Achilles heel. In divisional play, they seem to kind of wilter. The star gets very dull in big moments. So, Tim, the big change they made this offseason, they parted ways with offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, and now head coach Mike McCarthy is going to call the plays. Do you think that's the solution that will get them over the top? I don't think it's the solution. Look, under the four years that Kellen Moore was calling the plays, only one team in the NFL you know, average more points per game during that stretch. It was the Kansas City Chiefs, and anyone that watches football knows how good they are. So, look, that, that's not been their problem. The other thing I would say is this, this idea like, hey, we're going to run the football more. Let's not forget, Ezekiel Elliott rushed for 22 touchdowns the last two seasons. Mm. Look, the point, the, the point of playing offense is to score points, to get into the end zone. No matter how you do it, they did it through the air and on the ground. I, I, for me, I don't think that was the problem. And I think anytime you change a philosophy, a coordinator, there will be growing pains. There will be an adjustment. And so I think because of that, I could see Dallas get off to a start that's not super fast. And so, look, I, I think I would agree with Herm. I think they're a playoff team again this year. Uh, but I don't see them necessarily as an approved team, especially on the offensive side. Yeah, Tim makes some great points because we're going to talk a lot about Dak if this team doesn't get to the playoffs or deep into the playoffs or the Super Bowl. But think about the scrutiny. If they don't reach that point, it is not just the quarterback. We spent as much time last season talking about Mike McCarthy as we did Dak Prescott, whether it was clock management, whether it was just communication on the sidelines. Now Kellen Moore not being there and Mike McCarthy wanting to have more control over the offensive play calling. If this does not work this season for the Dallas Cowboys, not only Dak, Mike McCarthy, but Jerry Jones also has to look himself in the mirror and wonder, did I make the right choice at head coach? Because Dan Quinn is there. There was obviously, you know, um, Sean Payton was available. There were, there were other coaches he could have gone with. So if this does not work for the Cowboys, there could be changes in the future. Yeah, big year for Mike McCarthy, who made the controversial decision, I think, to decide to score fewer points. We'll see how that works <laughs> out for him. A couple of off-season news items uh, today. And for that, we wanted to bring in Adam Schefter. Adam, what is the latest you're hearing about the looming gambling suspension for the Colts, Isaiah Rogers? Dan, there are going to be a handful of NFL players suspended by the end of this week, including the Colts cornerback Isaiah Rodgers, who's going to face a year-long suspension for his violations of the league's gambling policy. Now, there will be other players. I don't expect any big names in the bunch, but it sounds like there will be a few players who get season-long suspensions. I think there'll be another one that gets a multi-game suspension, but the league is taking a very strong stance and making it very clear that players are not allowed to bet on their own teams. They're not allowed to bet from their own training facilities. We've already seen players suspended this offseason, and we're going to see more before the week is through. 
multiple suspensions coming later this week, Dan. Obviously, we'll keep an eye out for that unfortunate news over the next uh, couple of days. The NFL Players Association made some news today. What more can you tell us on that? What's amazing about this is, as significant as this is, it generated next to zero buzz and attention. But today, the NFLPA officially elected its new executive director, Lloyd Howe. And there you see some of his background, a trustee at the University of Pennsylvania, won 24 years at Booz Allen, where he essentially was involved in finance. And he now will take over from Demora Smith sometime in 2024. He'll spend the coming months training under D. Smith, watching him, observing him, and he will become the fourth executive director in the history of the NFLPA, succeeding men like Ed Garvey and Gene Upshaw and then D. Smith. But he now will step into that role. It's a huge responsibility, an enormous task. And obviously now the NFLPA is ready to move forward with a process that it kept incredibly secretive right? up until the announcement today. I mean, complete, nobody had a whiff of even who the candidates were. And I promise you, on behalf of Adam and everybody else who works on uh, trying to, to get NFL news here at ESPN, we were trying. Uh, but they, they did a good job. They kept it secret, and they, and they had the announcement today. Thanks, Adam. We come back on NFL Live. Bryce Thank Young you, has taken the reins in Carolina. But can he lead the Panthers to the playoffs? Here with Tim thinks the number one overall pick can do to give his team an edge right away. Plus, the AFC West is full of contenders. But which of them can finally dethrone the Chiefs? We'll tell you why the Chargers could be the biggest threat to the Super Bowl champs. We'll also tell you the Achilles heel they have that could continue to derail them. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to our Trends Day edition of NFL Live. Since we have Tim Hasselbeck and Herm Edwards on the show today, we're going to do a little offense versus defense using our guys' unique perspectives from each side of the ball. You can see we set them up on opposite sides of the field from each other to go at it. We start with the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs, who led the NFL in scoring offense with more than 29 points per game last season. The defense had the second most sacks in the NFL behind Chris Jones, who's looking for an extension as he enters the final year of his current deal. So, Tim, we'll start with you. Having Patrick Mahomes obviously helped, but what have you noticed about the way the Chiefs have crafted this offense so that they're continually successful in spite of all these personnel changes they have every year? 
Well, obviously, it starts with Andy Reid. His creativity on offense, you know, I think is unmatched. And so they've been able to put guys in good positions to be successful. The other thing they've done, Dan, is they've done a tremendous job understanding the talent they have and how to, de to develop it. We know about the stars, but we also know that, like, hey, no, no Tyreek Hill because, you know, he moves to Miami. That's fine. We're going to find other players that we're going to coach up uh, and they're going to develop. And I think we've seen that, whether it's been someone like Jarek McKinnon or whether it's been someone in free agency on the offensive line. I think they've done a remarkable job understanding what they have and getting the most out of their players. Herm, on the defensive side, what impressed you the most about the Chiefs defense during their Super Bowl run last season? Well, they decided to go with a young secondary, and Steve Spagnuolo and those defensive coaches did a nice job with these guys. But you think about the Kansas City Chiefs, the thing you know defensively, we're going to score points. So when you play an opponent, they don't come to play you to try to score 20 points. They're saying, look, we got to get to 30. So there's a lot of stress on this defense. I thought they did a marvelous job this secondary. Youngsters back there, Chris Jones up front, getting a good pass rush for them. So these guys will even be better this season. Eight rookies started, uh, played for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, including three starters in the secondary. Pretty impressive work getting those guys ready for those big games. The Chargers are trying to bounce back from last season's post-playoff uh, collapse. Justin Herbert finished his third season in the league with the second most passing yards. The defense dealt with plenty of injuries, including injuries to Joey Bosa and J.C. Jackson. They each missed 12 games, and their biggest offseason move was hiring Kellen Moore from the Cowboys as their new offensive coordinator. Herm, lots of big names on the Chargers defense. If they can stay healthy, what is the potential ceiling for that group? Well, they'll challenge the Chiefs. There's no doubt about that because they have talent on both sides of the ball. They might be the prettiest team in warm-ups when they all show up. And they got good-looking uniforms, and the players are big, long, and athletic. They just got to stay healthy. And that's kind of been the Chargers' problem. Historically, this team always seems to be hurt. You look back last year, a lot of the starters on the defensive side of it were hurt. Bosa, Mack, uh, you know, they got one of the best safeties in the, in, in the conference. So this team is ready to roll. They just got to stay healthy. Yeah, and look, even Justin Herbert was playing hurt for a lot of the year. Remember, he had an issue with, yeah. uh, with his ribs. Tim, we talked about Kellen Moore from the other end. He's leaving the Cowboys, going to the Chargers. What do you think he can unlock for Justin Herbert in his first year with them? Yeah, I love this for Justin Herbert because Kellen Moore has great creativity, and he's got a great track record as a play caller in the NFL. And, you know, some coaches just have a knack for getting guys open. I think this stems his experience in college. I think his experience as a player and a coach in the National Football League. And Justin Herbert's athletic ability in terms of being able to run and throw the football I think is on par with two guys. And that would be Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And with that, I think you're going to be able to attack all areas of the field. I think we'll see him more as a run threat. Uh, and so I think we're going to see a huge year uh, out of Justin Herbert. No question about the ability there. And Herbert said during the offseason program that having a former NFL quarterback as the OC has been a huge help. Disappointing first season for Russell Wilson in Denver. We all remember that. The Broncos offense averaged the fewest points per game in the NFL. On the other side of the ball, they had one of the better pass defenses in the whole league. They allowed the fifth lowest total QBR last year. And Sean Payton takes over as their head coach. Of course, the Super Bowl winning former head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Tim, 
Former head coach Nathaniel Hackett took a lot of the blame for Denver's struggles last year. Didn't even make it through his first season as head coach. But what does Russell Wilson need to fix in order to have success under his new coach? Listen, he needs to stop making things so hard on himself. You know, there's a saying in football, you know, you can't go broke taking a profit, meaning like, look, don't pass up somebody that's open to hope that you get to someone else. Here's a great example last year. He alerts to this play, which knows, means he knows the coverage he's getting. It's basically cover two with a Mike linebacker that's going to carry in the middle of the field. Well, as he tries to fit this seam route inside, it's just a terrible decision. The read is off the Mike linebacker. He runs with that, that inside post, but then replace him with the throw, which is the underneath route. This is a third and 12 play. If it's thrown on time and accurate, he maybe runs for the first down or scores. Instead, it's an incomplete pass. It's just a small example, and you would see it over and over again, of Russell Wilson trying to do too much. I think Sean Payton's arrival will force him to play in the design of the offense because Sean is going to want to run a certain way, not because it's his idea, but because it's tried and true in the NFL in his experience. I think that ultimately will be a good thing for Russell Wilson. And obviously improvements on offense would help take some of the strain off the defense. Broncos defense was red hot to start last season, a little bit less so as the year went on. What do they need to do, Herm, to get back to where they were at the beginning of last year? Well, it's not so much the defense as Sean Payton in this offense. Can, can they control the line of scrimmage and the game and make some first downs? This defense wore out. And you mentioned the first 10 games, they were the best team as far as points allowed, only giving up 15 points per game. The last seven games, it was 26 points. So this defense just flat wore out. They were on the field too long because their offense couldn't convert, obviously, a third downs. They weren't very good in the red zone, and they turned the ball over. So the defense was playing a game that basically they couldn't hold up for the rest of the season. This is where Coach Payton will make sure this offense plays complimentary football to protect the defense because this defense is outstanding. And playing with a lead, you can get that pass rush going, and they added Frank Clark as an edge rusher who had spent the previous four seasons in Kansas City. They add Clark, they take him away from a division rival. The Las Vegas Raiders last year had the league leader in touchdown catches and the league leader in rushing yards, but they couldn't turn that into any team success. Partly because their defense was 26 in points allowed and had the fewest takeaways in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo takes over at quarterback after Derek Carr was benched at the end of last season and released in February. So coach, the Raiders defense struggled last season. What was their biggest issue on that side of the ball? Well, just I think overall toughness and continuity. Um, when you think about how these guys played, they lost uh, what I think eight, nine games of, of one score. So they, they played tough at times and, and kept games close at times. But the defense basically broke their back. I mean, they gave up too many big plays and big moments. They've got to get that settled. Crosby is their best player. They need to play with his passion. When you watch number 99 play for the Raiders, that guy is something. He is all over the field. They got to play with more passion. I think they'll do that this season. Tim, since McDaniels got there just over a year ago, they've made a lot of changes on that roster, including obviously one at quarterback. What do you think about all the changes he's made since he got there. I think they're worse than when he arrived. And look, that's not a good thing because he arrived and there were, you know, some good players there. Darren Waller, obviously a good player. Uh, Derek Carr, I think a good player. But when they made the move on Derek Carr, it seemed like they maybe thought they would upgrade at the position. I don't believe they have. <laughs> Even if you think Garoppolo is an equal player to Carr, 
he's not nearly as available which means he can't be as good as him so like I, I just look at you know the fact that they've lost good players the good players they do have seem unhappy on the offensive side of the ball I think McDaniels has his hands full and he better get a point in the right direction otherwise gonna be a lot of people wondering if he's just taking another organization and pointing them in the wrong direction a lot of pressure on him the Raiders have not won a playoff game since 2002 that is the third longest current streak in the NFL when we come back Mike Tomlin has never finished a season with a losing record in Pittsburgh but can he get the Steelers back to the playoffs Perm will explain why he thinks Kenny Pickett and the Steelers momentum will carry them into the postseason next on NFL Live this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. There are currently eight black general managers and three black head coaches in the NFL. Our very own Kimberly Martin sat down with three of those GMs, the Browns' Andrew Berry, the Titans' Rand Carthon, and the Vikings' Kwesi Adolfo Mensa to discuss their paths to their positions, the challenges they face, and the weight they carry in trying to pave the way for more black executives to succeed. Thrilled to be here today to add someone of Kwesi's caliber to our organization. What makes me confident is just our shared vision with football, with culture, and servant leadership. Looking up and seeing all those people, feeling the applause, that motivated me. So I'm just going to have you guys kind of detail your journey very quickly. Andrew, I'll start with you. Yeah, so I uh, got my start with the Indianapolis Colts, spent the first seven years of my career in Indy, then transitioned and was the VP of player personnel with the Cleveland Browns. And then uh, we joke, took my internship as VP of football operations with the Philadelphia Eagles and then came back here where I'm entering my fourth year as the, the general manager of the team. I left college and followed a passion for decision-making into Wall Street, uh, where I was a trader um, in commodities. And then, you know, the 49ers had a great opportunity for me, and I decided to pivot and, you know, started to work in analytics. And that big step that I got to take was because of this man to my right, uh, hired me in Cleveland to do a job I didn't know that I was capable of doing. And obviously, the Wolves came calling and, and gave me a great opportunity in Minnesota as the general manager. Uh, played three years out of college, kind of bounced around, you know, five teams in three years. Um, 
quickly knew what I wanted to do, which is get into personnel. Got hired by the Falcons, worked there for four years. Uh, when Les Snead was hired with the uh, Rams, he brought me over as director of pro, worked under Les for five years, and spent the last six under John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan before I got this opportunity uh, with the Titans. You know what this call's about, right? Man, we're gonna turn this card in and make you a Titan officially, man. I know Cleveland doesn't have the same weather as LA, but you think you wanna come back? We're excited about everything you're gonna bring to us. Uh, congratulations, man, it's a big day. So what were some of the challenges that you encountered on your way here? I didn't know anything, and I think that intimidates a lot of people, but for me it was this great opportunity because I walked into a lot of rooms and nobody thought I should know anything. So they were just willing to teach me, and, and I got the ability to learn from great teachers. Rand would, I get to sit in Rand's office and he'd teach me about play level things. So I think I took something that was hard for a lot of people and turned it into a positive. I wasn't necessarily like a football guy because um, I believed in data and I had kind of, you know, I graduated from Harvard, but I also wasn't necessarily like a quote unquote analytics guy because quite honestly, I just wasn't as smart as that. So that's, 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 like, that's why I hired Quasi, right? And so there was a point, probably many points in my career where I probably had a little bit of this like insecurity of like, do I really belong in either of these worlds? Ultimately I overcame and, and realized that like living in parts of both really probably helped me better as I got later in my career. I say for me, right, just off the fact of you saying former player, I automatically get put in this box, yeah. right? So the football guy, if you will, on some people it's a badge, but at other places it's a hindrance. I've always felt like every interview room I had to walk into, I had to show that I was more than just a football guy. Eric Bieniemy is with the Kansas City Chiefs the last five years. They've won two Super Bowls. And he has to go somewhere else to become a coordinator. That doesn't even sound right. I imagine the challenge for black general managers is the assumption that, okay, a black GM is in that spot, so naturally he's going to hire a black head coach. I'll just start with Quasey. Last year, you guys had, at the Vikings, had an opportunity to hire a head coach. You went with Kevin O'Connell. Why Kevin? You know, Kevin was an incredible candidate. I, I had been so fortunate to be around. I was in that San Francisco building, and I'd been around Kyle. So I know what it looks like, what, and what by it means is somebody who's really talented, really competent, and can be a part of a good culture and be a culture leader. But at the end of the day, my job will always be to put the Minnesota Vikings in the best situation. And we found Kevin, and, and that's the situation we went with, and we're, we're more than thrilled with what we decided. One of the prevailing thoughts that I hear often is black execs or black coaches always get the reclamation projects. What is your thought on that? I, I love how you look at Andrew real My general view on this is that oftentimes the head decision-making jobs in an organization, whether it's a team president, a general manager, or a head coach, are coming open for a reason. But that's why they selected you. That's why they hired you. And you should embrace that opportunity. You should embrace that, that challenge. I would just say, why would you want anything different, right? If you're coming into a process that the cupboards bare, and yes, it may not be the best situation, but if you indeed apply your skill set and you can turn that around, then it's an ode and a testament to what you do versus inheriting a good product that at that point it can only go <laughs> the other way and then you're the blame as to why you couldn't keep it here. It's all about getting the opportunity and embracing that challenge and then just trusting and believing in your preparation. I actually want to read a quote from Sandra Douglas Morgan, who's the NFL's only black woman president. 
And upon her hiring, she said, I realized in that moment that this job is much bigger than me. It gives people hope and visibility and optimism that you can strive for it. I'm curious if each of you feels that. Being black men in these roles, is the job bigger than you, and if so, how? Oh, absolutely. I go back to reading Jerry Reese's bio um, at the time with the Giants, and he said it was important for him as an African-American GM to do a good job and leave the door open for those coming behind. In this opportunity, I feel the same way. The burden, I would say all of us have sort of felt at different places in our life, being one of the only ones and trying not to mess it up for the next guy and trying to lift people up along with us. In the moments of reflection, or certainly when you first get the job, you feel it, it doesn't necessarily have to be pervasive or weigh you down, but it also is something where you say, hey look, I wanna make sure that I can be someone who sets an example for others that, that come after me. Well, that was awesome. Kimberly, a great look at those three guys and, and sort of what drives them and, and their backgrounds. What was it about those three guys that led to your decision to get them together uh, for that discussion? A few reasons, Dan. I couldn't interview all eight or else it'd be a 30 for 30. But those three guys in particular, I know them, I know their backgrounds. And together, collectively, they represent what the NFL's ultimate end goal should be. Yes, they're three black men, but they represent diversity of thought and philosophy. You have Rand Carthon, who's the quote unquote football guy. You have Quasi, who's the analytics finance guy. And then you have Andrew Berry, who's sort of the hybrid, a guy who when he first got in was sort of like, do I fit into any of these worlds? And truth be told, their story is my story. That's why I'm at ESPN, to tell stories like this. And being the only, as a black woman covering the NFL, you are, you are used to always representing more than yourself when you walk into rooms. But bigger than that, it's to show that there is a pipeline that exists. Uh, you just have to look for them. And also, all three of these guys, from a straight football standpoint, all three are facing very critical quarterback situations right now. Hmm. The decisions they have made either last year with Andrew Berry and the Browns uh, trading for Deshaun Watson, and what they will do going forward, the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, the Titans with Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis and Malik Willis. Like, they have a lot of important decisions as general managers that they need to make, and we're going to see if they're cut out to do it. Yeah, a lot of eyes on all those guys as we head toward the mm -hmm. season, and that is the first point so crucial. What people often miss about diversity initiatives is not necessarily all about how it looks, but about sort of making everything better with diversity of uh, perspective. So thanks again for that, Kimberly. It was great. We unfortunately have some sad news today on NFL Live. Former NFL quarterback Ryan Mallett, who played for the Patriots, the Texans, and the Ravens, died yesterday at the age of 35. Mallett died in an apparent drowning, according to the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office. Mallett was drafted by the Patriots in 2011 and spent seven seasons in the league. Patriots coach Bill Belichick released a statement saying he was, quote, extremely saddened by Ryan's tragic passing. Ravens coach John Harbaugh said, quote, I will always remember the love he had for his teammates and for making the most of and enjoying every football day while here. Again, Ryan Mallett gone at the age of 35. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Because it matters. This iconic news <laughs> conference moment in, in, in football history from our very own uh, Herm Edwards. Uh, how, Herm, how often do you hear that? Like, do people say that to you? Uh, you play to win the game. Uh, just all the uh, time, right? Especially, especially when you're traveling, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> People walk up to you and say, Coach, say it. And I said, no, I always said it one time in my life. I don't need to say it again. <laughs> That's it. That's right. It, uh, it, it just stay. We'll just keep playing it so you don't have to worry about saying it again. In honor of Herm's <laughs> message of playing to win the game, check out this trend from last season. Five teams reached the postseason despite having what our ESPN analytics said was a less than 40% chance to get there entering week one. The Giants only had a 16% chance to make the playoffs prior to the start of last season and the Seahawks, Jaguars and Dolphins also beat preseason expectations to get there. So Herm, which team do you see making that kind of run this year? The Pittsburgh Steelers and I go off the momentum they gained last year when you think about their quarterback Kenny Pickett. Um, threw a bunch of interceptions early in the last eight weeks of the season. He only threw one. So this team gained confidence. I think they have a Hall of Fame coach in Mike Tomlin. Uh, he has the pulse of this football team. They play hard for him. He's a great motivator. And they've got some talent on defense, too. So I think this team is primed. We talk about Cincinnati, the Ravens all mm -hmm. the time. Don't forget about the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? They're just sitting there. And they're listening to everybody talk. Pittsburgh Steelers, it's their turn to make a run now. Got a lot better over the second half. Over the final seven weeks last year, they were tied for second in the league in wins. So, yeah, don't look past the Steelers. Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback drafted in the first round two years ago, but there were three selected early in this year's draft, starting with Bryce Young at number one overall to the Panthers. Carolina has a 35% chance to make the playoffs, according to our analytics. 
And Young will try to do something that only four other first-round quarterbacks have done since 2010. That is start a playoff game as a rookie. So, Tim, how do you see the Panthers going after teams this season with the rookie leading their offense? Well, I think we're going to see Bryce Young play early, and I think we're going to see him play early because he's ready to play. You know, we've seen some teams, you go back to Justin Fields' rookie season, they kind of, you know, like made the playbook smaller. I don't think that's going to be the case with Bryce Young. I think you're going to be able to have packaged plays. I think you'll be able to make decisions at the line of scrimmage to get them into the right play. I think we'll see a ton of RPO stuff to get them to run plays against good looks because he's been so good at doing that in college. And so I think they have a prospect here that's ready, that, that's ready to play. And I think that you can put enough on his plate. So I don't think we'll see something pared down. I think we'll see Carolina um, really kind of open things up for a rookie quarterback who's ready. I think we'll get to see it pretty much right away. Bryce Young expected to make his home debut on Monday Night Football in Week 2 against the Saints. Jordan Love was a first-round pick of the Green Bay Packers, and his career is off to a similar start to the one that the quarterback he's replacing had. Love and Aaron Rodgers combined for one start in their first three seasons, and each one became the Packers starter to begin his fourth season. Love is going to try to do something that Rodgers was not able to do, which is make the playoffs in his first season as a starter. Kimberly, what have you heard about Green Bay's confidence heading into this season with Love as the starting quarterback? Listen, Dan, in Green Bay, they are confident in, in Jordan Love, and they're hopeful that he can have the same kind of career as Aaron Rodgers. Look, Jair Alexander and Preston Smith are just two of the teammates that have publicly said he can be a great quarterback. They've talked about his athleticism. They praise his confidence. And they talk about how he has the intangibles to be great. And the fact that they've said, you guys haven't seen him. We mm -hmm. have. We know what we have. Now, Preston Smith did say our defense is good, very good. But it needs to be even better because the margin for error is understandably a little bit smaller because you have a young quarterback. Packers with a 28% chance to make the playoffs according to our football power index. That is 12th among the 16 teams in the NFC. Up next on NFL Live, Adam Schefter dives into the Dolphins' offensive potential with Tua at quarterback, but someone here disagrees on Miami's ceiling, even with a healthy quarterback. Find out who that is when we come back. summer rolls on we continue an annual series led by our own Adam Schefter as he dives into the biggest questions of the NFL offseason from quarterback contract extensions to old faces in new places. Today Adam dives into a story that took the NFL by storm last year and leaves questions entering this season that is Tua Tungavailoa's health. In the span of one year the questions have shifted from Tua Tungavailoa's ability to his durability. Last season, Tua suffered at least two concussions in week four versus the Bengals and week 16 versus the Packers, as well as a potential third in week three versus the Bills in a game that prompted an NFL investigation. Jimmy, he doesn't know where he is. No, he got he up, staggered around. But when he wasn't sitting and he was playing, Tua answered all the previous questions that existed about him. Rolling to his Tua. Downfield, it's touchdown Miami! He finished last season with the league's third highest total QBR behind only Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Tua also led the NFL in yards per pass attempt. And when he was on the field, he looked like an MVP candidate and the Dolphins looked like a Super Bowl contender. Tua puts it right on the money. My 
the lead. But he just wasn't out there enough. To combat that, he is engaged in different training methods and will wear added protection. You know, if it could be that much more safe, then, you know, why not give it a shot? Even so, one year later, the questions about Tua still are as prevalent as ever. But whether Tua can play means something different this year than last year. Dolphins were a different team with Tua under center last season. They were 8-5 and five in the 13 games he started and only had one win in the five games he missed, including their playoff game. And as you heard Adam say, Tua's individual performance was near the top of the league. Only Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen finished with a higher total QBR. Those are two guys who, to use a technical football team, our, our term are pretty good. So, uh, Tim, what's the ceiling for this Dolphins team if Tua can stay healthy? Yeah, I think the ceiling is, look, they're a playoff team and maybe, you know, win a playoff game, potentially two. But, you know, it's interesting you talk about, hey, hey Tua was this good, uh, but, like, wasn't as good as Josh Allen. And, oh, by the way, now Aaron Rodgers is in his division. And so, look, I am a Tua believer. I thought he was judged way too unfairly early in his career. And I think we saw what type of player he could become last season. That being said, when you've got to face Josh Allen twice, when you've got to face Aaron Rodgers twice, and then when you look at the rest of the conference being as good as it is, I think that ends up being the challenge uh, for the Miami Dolphins. And I would just say this in terms of the injury stuff. Look, it's one thing when a guy's coming off of an ACL. It's another thing when you're talking about concussions because, you know, so much of it is out of your control. It's not your decision when you're back. It's not your decision whether you can play through something. And I think it makes this whole, you know, situation with him drastically different than someone that's dealing with a broken rib or anything like that. Coach? Yeah, Tim makes yeah. a lot of good points on the, on the quarterback, and hopefully he can stay healthy. Because if he stays healthy, I believe this team can challenge to win this division. And I think the key for the Miami Dolphins is this. If Tua stays healthy but their defense, Vic Fangio was hired there to run this defense. They weren't very good on defense in a couple areas as far as sacking the quarterback and interceptions. They went out and got some corners. They, they, they drafted Cam Smith. They got Ramsey. They've got Howard that's there as well. They can, they're going to have a better pass rush. They're going to put more pressure on, on the quarterback. They're going to line eight guys in the box to stop the run because they feel like now in this conference, they have the ability in the back end of their defense to cover people, the New York Jets receivers as well as the Buffalo Bills receivers. So they have built this defense to compete in their division. Listen, count me in as a tour believer because I was there. I believe it was week two last year. I was there, watched him throw six touchdowns against the Baltimore Ravens. So when we talk about this division that he's in in the AFC, he's shown that he can go up against very good quarterbacks and score at will. And after that game, guys, I interviewed Tyreek Hill, and I said, Tua, those six touchdowns, tell me, what are you thinking as you're watching it? And he said, how many touchdowns did he throw? Tyreek Hill was flabbergasted because he couldn't believe that he had thrown that many. But he said, you know what? That's my quarterback. And they have so much belief in him. It's unfortunate that we're looking at the Dolphins with an asterisk because that health of Tua is so critical. But with him healthy, they're definitely a playoff team. Yeah, obviously, I mean, a lot of expectations there in Miami. We have time for one more thing today, and it's pretty cool. Bill safety, DeMar Hamlin, who grew up just outside of Pittsburgh, threw out the first pitch at the Pirates game last night. Hamlin actually has a Pirates P logo tattooed behind his left ear. 
uh, and described the opportunity as a dream. And it was also announced today that the Bills training staff who helped save Hamlin's life after he went into cardiac arrest during a game in January will receive the Pat Tillman Award at the ESPYs this year. Obviously, very well deserved. That is all the time we have for today on NFL Live. Thanks for watching. We're back with more tomorrow.